0: To a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: <laughs> I had to first agree to become desperate. I had to agree to quit arguing, to end trying, pushing myself to persevere. I had to agree to understand that this is neither the direction nor the way. I had to understand that I can let things just be only when I love. Until now, I saw this as surrender. It is not. It is neither a surrender nor compromise, despite sometimes appearing that way. What will happen if we lower our expectations of a joint journey, a co-creation, of being one with men without a beginning, middle, or end, of being lost and rediscovered together with them? What if we really see them as they really are and for everything that they are not? Perhaps then it seems that this is the gateway to a new evolving stage in which we will stop living the separation the domineering and exploitive illusion, which we mistakenly call our nature, only because at some point in time, women were silenced, and men were to a large extent left alone, carrying the responsibility and dominating. It is essential to convey this, so that men will have the opportunity in space to rediscover themselves, and it is only then when women will agree to recognize that it is like this that they will be able to truly lead. To lead here means to simply share what they see, to set the rules of the game, to know that they are an authority of wisdom and commitment to do good for all and to actualize all of this in practice. Perhaps in this way, will men also have more freedom to lay their head down and to breathe the spaces, the atmosphere that women have created for them and for everyone, writes Ruth. Valeria Tellez interviews Ruth bar She is the author of What Really Is? How Would Life Look If We Knew That We Are Not Our Thoughts? and is currently writing The Omen. Ruth bar is a student disciple, coach and coaching teacher, leader of innovative projects whose time has come. Writer, creator, mother of four and grandmother of three. Almost 60 years old. Ruth has been coaching for the past 30 years and is one of the pioneers of coaching in Israel. She has led and facilitated breakthrough processes in many different fields, working with the military, women's organizations, the Israeli Ministry of Education, and on inter Arab Jewish relations, both in Israel and abroad. Ruth has coached thousands of people, hundreds of businesses, startups, and state institutions, and trained dozens of coaches. For the past 18 years, she has developed a way of coaching and named it the Art of What Really Is. For the past three years, she has been writing and has published the book, What Really Is, alongside a rich website whose vision and beauty emerged from a life journey. A journey that seeks truth in her personal life, in the life of her loved ones, and of the people she has had and has the privilege to coach. The knowledge which is at the core of all of Ruth's work wishes to enable a person to remember the wisdom with which we are born. The wisdom of the soul and to live in each and every moment and situation. The book, the website, and especially the coaching of The Art of What Really Is, teaches a person to distinguish between his or her true nature and his or her thoughts and the reality their thoughts present to them. True knowledge is motion, a new vision being revealed and not fixed ideas and conclusions. Therefore, it requires a high level of devotion, of giving oneself over so that the motion the art of life can reveal itself. Meet Ruth at whatreallyis.com. Here's the interview with Ruth Bar Shalev.
2: In your own words, who is Ruth Bar Shalev? I think the most accurate word. That describes me as a disciple. It is one who seeks the truth, but not in a difficult journey, but knowing that the truth speaks to me from everything and everyone that I see. And what I wish to do and what I try to do is really be a disciple of that truth, meaning that I give myself over and ask to be really not only touched, but also really influenced from the bottom of my heart by the world, by people. And then from there, I can discern. From there, the truth or the eternal speaks very clearly and simply, and it is very clear that it is not the passing, and it is not the temporal, but really the thing itself. When you
0: say giving yourself over, I love that because, I mean, it resonates to me as trust. And I wonder if that's a practice, it's a daily moment to moment practice, or this happened to you in a moment
2: in time? Yeah, it's a thing, it's a way to live. It's I, actually, and it's also not a choice, actually. It's not that I choose amongst different ways or different manners. It's actually that when you don't try to control and when you know that this is not what it's all about and we don't determine your life by what you understand with your mind and your abilities or faculties of understanding there is a realm that is ever there and very, very simple. It's home, actually. And when I listen to that, then this is how it is. For example, the war that has been going on now in Ukraine with Russia is something that I, when I say that I give myself over, It means that I actually am very much involved. I hear and I read and I ask people to share with me, whether they're Ukrainians or um, Russians or people who are volunteering there. And I see the pictures that are difficult to see, and I hear the things that are testimonies of people going through atrocities, that for me are hard to imagine. And when I say that I give myself over, what I mean is that I do not protect myself in any way and I do not try to put an order into things. Contrary, I let those things shake me to the bone. I let those things interrupt the way that I have seen the world up till now. And from there, it's actually... It's a revelation because from there, different aspects of my life, very, very uh, fundamental, are actually crushed. There's no way to say, uh, to describe this. And when they're crushed, there is a vacant, empty space that allows us to really listen and see anew. What is the
0: message? That you see behind these events that
2: are currently happening, the war. I think that the first, the first understanding or the first uh, thing that we need to come to terms with is that we cannot say anymore it is unbelievable. It's unimaginable because it is, and it is happening, and it is a reflection of our level of understanding up till now. And that does not mean that everyone would do those atrocities, of course it does not. But it reflects the basic assumptions that we live by. For example, heroism, yeah? I live in Israel, and that's very common and loved word in Israel. And when I see Ukraine today, uh, with all the aspects of what's happening and what you know what people step up to do and why they do it and what comes out of it and what will happen to them since i come from a country that knows war and knows lost lives and knows suffering and knows so knows causing them so we the word heroism really, really tired of it, and I want nothing to do with it anymore. And then what I do is when I give myself over, I see that heroism has, has done so much uh, horrific things, so many horrific things, so much pain has been caused, that if I let go of heroism, then when I give myself over, I ask, what do we see from there? And uh, what is responsibility? If it is not controlling and guarding your state, then what is responsible?
0: That's a great question. What is responsibility? Mm -hmm. What comes to you, Ruth, when you
2: ask that question? First of all, what comes to me is the way that I've been, the way that I understood this up till now or recently because I, we usually understand responsibility is doing the things that we know that we can succeed with and avoiding pain, okay? Those things leave us in a very small space, known already to us. Uh, exploring is, is dangerous by these thoughts, if, we, if I follow these thoughts um history is unacceptable and go oh, in vicious circle we turn in vicious circles doing the things that we know how to do figuring out things by the same molds and and paradigms that we we have been uh, doing after up till now and there is no there is no ability or permission to go to a different, unknown territory that is so much needed. So for me, responsibility is knowing that I am, each one of us, of course, that I am not the image that I've grown to believe that I am. I am not the level of awareness that I am of today, that I am a mystery waiting to be revealed. And so is the other whether he's my lover, my friend, or my enemy, okay? And if I walk in life knowing this, remembering this, in practicing this, meaning that that's how I understand things, that's what makes me act, that's what makes me talk, and that is also determining what I will not do, because I know that the other is is a mystery, being revealed to me, and that I am being revealed to myself thanks to him or her being who they really are. You're writing
0: a new book titled Man. Talk to me about
2: the intention and the purpose of writing this book, Ruth. Actually, this book has been very difficult for me to write. It has been difficult because I was writing it as I was going through this process that the book actually speaks about and also suggests that we have to do that. And when I say we, I mean women. It, I'm smiling here because it doesn't mean that men cannot read the book. But the, the, the main message is that men and women are fundamentally different And it's not only that we are different, it is also that we, that men are, uh, they understand themselves, they perceive themselves as uh, things, as, as human beings who are determined already, Mm. done fixed mm, I... and since that's the way they perceive themselves they, act in the, they, they walk in life and act and make choices from very um, it's limited and also with a lot of fear place because when I think that I am something that I know who I am world is about coping, life is about coping, it's about looking at things, understanding what they mean to me, understanding, believing that what I see is all that is to be seen, that I need to find out what to do because I'm tackled all the time, because it's dangerous and because it's confronting, because if I am a thing, then many things, many other things can threaten me and can also really be, can make me suffer, can make me lose who I am or what I have. And it's an either or world, which is absolutely not true. But this is how men perceive themselves. And the message of the book says women have to acknowledge these differences. And instead of trying to make it work, realize the depth of the consequences of what I just said, look straight in the eye of what has been understood now. I believe that they were mourn and they will also know that their dream has been shattered. But then there is this quiet place, this empty space. Space is acknowledged and cherished not, we usually try to avoid anything that is not coherent and intangible. But instead of doing that, after I'm born and the dream is broken, then there is a, a sense of emptiness, but it's never empty. So when I stay there, allow myself to feel and not fill this place with thoughts, either new thoughts, and you will be revealed, and then I can really see where I'm asked to go.
0: You sent me the introduction, and the very beginning, I mean, I love many passages there, but there's one that you say, I had to understand that I can't let things just be only when I love. right? That is just profoundly beautiful and true to me. And then in the very beginning, I think is the first phrase you wrote says, come, let's take off the running shoes. Yes. So I was laughing at that, but then I stopped and I said, I'm going to ask her, why did you choose this phrase, The the running shoes? Why was the choice, the word choice?
2: Yeah, because I think in many ways, I know this for myself, I perceived responsibility as making things work. And since we're strong as women and resilient, and we are, we can run marathons when needed, because we as women do not think of ourselves as a, as a thing. We know that when we end, or when we reach what has been perceived by ourselves as being the end of us or the edge, if I make a step, I know that there is a path rising to my step, to my feet, and also that I can learn to fly that way. And that is not, uh, you know, it's not poesy. It's really... It's it's not poetic. This is how it is. So when I hang my running shoes, actually what I'm doing is I'm ending this effort that has been going on for so long to make things work because I've been doing it the wrong way. If I have to put so much effort and feel so much pain and have so much friction so that I can make it work. Or on the other hand, for me, it's also friction, but it's letting go in the sense of giving up, giving up the relationship, uh, living like parallel lives. If, if I've been doing those for long, if I've been trying so hard and it doesn't work, then I need to hang my runny shoes and stop running and just stay. And breathe, and look, and acknowledge, and then, and then I can see. Not before I mourn. And when I said before that it was difficult for me to write the book, that it was hard, it's because I was going through that period of mourning. Um, it's a, it's a place where you've done really everything that you can. And still it's not what you know it should be. So the morning, so the morning is actually the acknowledgement. And it's like when I really acknowledge, and when I stop resisting, and I stop any effort to change things or to make him see or understand, and when I see in his eyes that he cannot even once more hear me ask him. To see something different or to differently or to change the way that he does or that I plead to him to really just let go and see what happens. And I can see in his eyes that he's so tired. Then that's the time where I understand that I have to really let go, not on the relationship necessarily, but let go of my effort and of my struggle. To make things right. And when I mourn, this empty space opens up before me. And then I can see things that I couldn't coming from the place that I've been taught to come from, that was considered responsible and that I was hoping so much that it would, you know, would fulfill. I wonder what the balance is,
0: Ruth, when it comes to that, because we all have this desire to strive for something better and kind of actively try to make the world a better place. It seems like you are doing that. That's the balance. You are doing your work, what you, you can do to deliver the message and help others, but you're not suffering. Is that when we know that we have reached that balance?
2: I think that maybe I would look at it from the angle of revelation not not making it a scary word but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> revelation actually for me is something that's a moment by moment thing right and actually what what it says or what it allows us to see is that thanks to him if I use the the hymn for a moment, thanks to him being who he is, thanks to him being, for example, feeling trapped, or thanks to him trying to be a hero, or thanks to me trying to uh, wishing him to be my hero, or my savior, or my protector, or. Wishing him to fly with me to the unknown, yeah? These situations where I want something and he reacts as he does enable me not necessarily to change, but to awaken. And the difference uh, in my understanding is that. Trying to change means that I change the picture or the image that I hold in my head and I transfer the way that I understand things and the way I behave. Revelation and awakening is actually the opposite. It's that I do not try to change because change comes from the mind and the thought and the image. I let go into the unknown and for example with a man it means that when he cannot fly with me yeah to you know just like being the unknown feels things know things that I have haven't had any access to until now uh, listening to a kind of wisdom that comes and be and is being revealed to me only when I come, empty and poor to the situation, then if he can't come with me, what I want to ask is not what should I do about it, not should I change, but what do I see thanks to him being that way? That's the Okay. What an
0: amazing step to take. If there is such a thing, taking a step into awakening, which I do believe that we can be intentional about it too. It doesn't just happen, it's intentions, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't come from the mind. Wow, Ruth, that's interesting to hear because the mind, it's constantly there. And I would love to hear from you a bit more about how do we learn to dance with the realms Of the mind that doesn't come from fear, from egotism. So, how Mm -hmm. do we learn to know the
2: difference? Things that come from the mind create immediately friction. They come from an either or assumption. And therefore, they, for example, when a woman calls, is calling a man to come to look at things anew. And she says, let's, let's put aside, let's shed the way that we've been looking at things up till now. And let's just see, let's sit together quietly and see what we, what comes up, what we sense to be asked for. Uh, what time has come? The man usually would feel fear and would think he's being criticized. Okay. And because he's asked to do something that he feels that he doesn't know how to do. Right. That's not true. Again, I yeah, smile when right. I say it's <laughs> <Yeah>. not true. <laughs> yeah. But that's the way that he perceives himself. And that's also the way he's he's been building himself. You know, he's been creating himself. He's been developing in, himself. So he's like, he's there feeling not good enough feeling that he's called for something that he's not, he doesn't know how to do. And even more fundamentally, he feels that he's uh, that if she wants something other than what has been done or the way that they did things up till now, it must be because he's not good enough. Mm, yeah, <laughs> true. But that is something that she may absolutely not even imagine That that's what's going on inside of him. So when I coach men today, or in the last few years, since I've begun to understand this, and I ask them, are you now thinking about you not being good enough? Or are you thinking now about feeling, thinking that you're being criticized while she's calling you to be more intimate with her, more close to her? And they cry, there's so much, there's so much constraint there, there's so much effort there, there's so much fear there. There's all the time you need to be very in control, very much in control. Sebel describe this. And you cannot just be who you are. And she's calling him to be who, she, who he is. Okay, She's calling to just be intimate because intimacy is the way that we are. We are one. And to look at things not from the same paradigms because we are not the paradigms and we are not the thoughts. But she perceives that as something between challenging and judging and dangerous. That is so
0: true. I see that as you speak. I have that image of my husband acting mm-hmm. exactly like that, which is mm-hmm. changing now because he's writing his own book, his memoir. I asked him to do it. we were in a conversation, friendly conversation. And then mm-hmm. now he's um, getting into the realm of the unknown. He thought it wouldn't be possible for him to go through all those mm-hmm. emotions and get to know more of who he is. So it has been a beautiful experience, and I, I hear you, Ruth. Very much. (laughs) What a beautiful message for all of us women. And I love the way you say that the introduction, there is a section about creating space for men to rest. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Where is it? I'll find it. It's here somewhere. Yeah, you say, perhaps in this way, will men also have more freedom to lay their head down and to breathe the spaces and the atmosphere that women have created for them and for everyone? Yeah. That just kind of, um, yeah, that summarized everything in a way for me, (laughs) creating that space, not just for men, but for everyone.
2: I think that um, the politically correct has done us much wrong to all of us, men and women alike, because yeah. there is some the, the intuitive realm and the sim, simple, not simplistic, but simple realm of being is some, uh, sometimes perceived as not politically correct. For example, for a woman to ask a man to obey her, saying to him, look, the way i perceive the world the way i understand things here the the scope that i hold the movement that i am would always think of what's best for all of us i i can't i can't have another perspective actually so if you lay your head or you know you rest in my palm And let me decide, you will be very happy and you will be prosperous because I I listen to the source of things while you cope with the consequences of our level of awareness, of the way that we perceive or understand things up till now. So, but it's really not politically correct many men whom I coach that are very strong men and also very successful, Mm -hmm. that to do that, because I usually coach their wives also or their spouses, they prosper in a way that I cannot even describe in words because you can describe in words, but actually what I see in front of my eyes now is them very, very... Uh, serene, very open. You know, their 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 faces are open. There's light. There is simplicity, and they walk on a ground that is very very stable by being all the time transforming. Okay, it's transforming all the time, but the thing that makes it stable is the the relentless um concentration and commitment to doing what's best for all of us meaning for our higher good not just interests that we you know combine together and find a good solution for everyone but really asking what is this thing that if we do now or what is this thing that if we lead to or acknowledge will make all of us not only prosper, but also be. It would enable us to be revealed to ourselves in our true nature, and see the other exactly like that. So that's the message. The message in the book. The last part of the book we called a lab or a hub, and it's a, it's like a research laboratory because we've been talking about things as they are, changing the basic paradigms and looking at the realization that women have struggled so long instead of acknowledging what needs to be acknowledged, mourning what needs to be mourned, taking the time for it and then listening, staying there, sometimes hanging in there until something is seen. It's very quickly that it is seen. But what we said Then is that now it's, it's a new reality. Once you, you, you know that things have ended and you're not looking for them to be the way that you thought they would be. And once you do that, uh, and you allow yourself to do that, yourself to do that, then the new shows itself. And it allows us, I'm looking for a word here, it allows us to to be in touch with what has already always been there. And just awakening to that from there. And the lab, the laboratory, is actually like six gates that we opened to explore what's now. Some of them was, one of them was just acknowledging things and letting them be as they are. Some of them say, one of them says, maybe not. Maybe not with the men. Maybe not to live with the men. Maybe not to share life, lives with men, but actually change the relationship. Uh, Sometimes we open up the possibility of saying yes A relationship, but understanding that maybe happiness is not the main thing in a relationship, but maybe revelation or something else. So that we open six gates that allow to explore and to it's really a research with our lives so that we can give ourselves permission to say things that we either couldn't think about. Up to now, or didn't dare to say to ourselves because it sounded bad or frightening or didn't or unable to express or fearful to express them because it sounds bad. but if we do and if we do not play the old game anymore, then it's it's so beautiful to see how immediately everyone becomes vibrant and and happy. We're alive.
0: I noticed that you, when it comes to the book Oh Men, you say we. Are there
2: other co-authors? Yes. There, there is one co-author that is formerly a co-author, which is Noah Golan. And Noah is my partner. And she's 15 young, years younger than me. Uh, she's in a different phase of life. Yet... We we walked a path that said uh, we allow ourselves to immerse in the phase that we're at. We allow ourselves to really stay there so that we can really feel and see. Not enhance ourselves in any way to, you know, don't, not demanding ourselves to go beyond that. And... Uh, but, but staying there long enough and fully enough, whole enough so that things can be revealed. But actually, there are many co-authors because women whom I coach are really wonderful. I love them very much. And I've been coaching by now thousands and they are truthful. And courageous and humble and seeking the truth in a very very open way and also in a very intimate way. They know that there is no choice really. You either live the truth or you actually suffer. So those women with their experiences, with their their ability to express themselves with their courage to go into the unknown and to drop and let go of what they've been holding on to for so very long and allowing themselves to see things as they are and then from there to see and to share. Uh, sometimes also it it's you know shame comes up. Because, for example, if you come not from the place of controlling, then, and not from the place of effort, and not of the, from the place of uh, directing things to where you want them to be, sometimes you do things that politically correct wise, you're not supposed to do. And you wait for him, you forgive in places that the politically correctness says, no, do not forgive, you should stand your own grounds, don't let go, don't allow this. And they do allow this, and they stay in order to really see. They do not protect themselves, not from men, of course, and not from pain, and not from um, fear. They, they agree They allow themselves to be afraid, but they don't stop walking or feeling or seeing when they're afraid. They look at fear, they acknowledge it, they let it be, but then they ask, and now what do I see? And sometimes what they ask is, thanks to the fear, what do I see? Thanks to allowing myself to be afraid there, what do I see? And from there, it turns and takes a, a new direction. So I usually ask the question to
0: myself about, am I coming from love or fear by doing mm-hmm. what I do, whatever it is? And then I always know the answer. It always comes up to me. And then it takes courage to stop doing things that are coming from fear. It's almost like fear has taken so much yeah, I don't like that word control too. But it has taken a lot of space in our lives in this reality that it's almost like uncomfortable to live without fear.
2: Yeah. I think that, the, that what you said about distinguishing or discerning, Yeah, there is another way to look at it which complements the the question about whether I come from fear or from love. And that is whether I come from the realm of thought where the mind can understand but therefore doesn't grasp life as they are but only through the way that it understands things which is very partial and many times distorted or whether I come and I would say it in a funny way maybe, not the realm of thought I don't want to call the other realm by a name, I just it's like a veil that we open or we, we shed. And then there's something very crystallized that shows itself to me. And it's a realm that the mind either doesn't grasp or doesn't know what to do with. And there, therefore, the question, again, through the war uh, that's been going on now in Russia and Ukraine, I've been I've been writing much, and I've been also writing a speech that I prayed that Mr. Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, would say, would, would give because there is the difference between women and men, because men would fight because they think they love. Okay. Instead, they're asking, what should I do? Because that's how they perceive the world by this, by being a thing and by doing. That's what makes me who I am. And that's the image that we want to discern and know that this image is created by the mind, but what we really are is not created by the mind and not by our thoughts. If I am a woman... What I would ask is, what do I see now, thanks to what's happening? So, for example, I would, as I said, I would not look at, at heroism the same, but I, was, I would also not look at loyalty, being loyal to my country, not necessarily fighting for it. You for know, it. in Israel, we had now yesterday a uh, shooting, a uh, Palestinian uh, young young man of 29 was killed, and one of my best friends' daughter lost her fiancé yesterday. And you know when when you when you look at those things in real life, yeah, you know, not not giving you know pompous speeches and not just. So I'm on the one hand calling my Palestinian dear friend, crying with her over those two young men. And then I speak to my friend and I cry with her about those two young men. Because when I look at things, when we look at things from the perspective of revelation, I don't ask on whose side am I. And I don't ask who is right and who is wrong. But I ask, since both sides have reached a point where that's what they do, yeah, because we as Israelis do that also, kill and injure and conquer, then I have to ask, I want to ask, I'm called to ask, so what do I see from here? Not going in the same vicious circles again and again. Thank you so much again,
0: Ruth, for being you, for what comes to me, that you're open to life and the way you communicate, you're letting yourself to be the vessel through which this wisdom comes through. So it's a beautiful thing. I have no almost no words to describe that, but yeah, I have to say it's beautiful. It's um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for being you again. Thank you, Valerie. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die?
2: It's a beautiful question. One is to love beyond what they think they're able to. The second is to let go of the most fundamental belief that they think that is essential to who they are and to their own, to their continuing existence. And the third one is to be in this empty place that we call dying to self at least once in our lives, but really because I, I believe it, it to be actually what life is. Okay, the movement, the the essence of life and what we're asked to do every day. But to really, to really be there, like uh, David Bohm called it, uh, an emptiness that is pregnant. All the tendencies, all possibilities, everything that has been, created as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen that's 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 the place
0: thank you so much again for the reminders and for the profound messages this beautiful wish desire (laughs) to elevate humanity coming from that place of emptiness thank you ruth and before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects?
2: We can. F- uh, you can find uh, the book, first book that came out, that's called What Really Is on Amazon. And there is a very, very vast website, rich web- website, that's called www.whatreallyis.com. That is, uh, it allows you also to read the book online. There's an audio version and it's also, it allows you to experience what the book is about through news, uh, through arts, and through a new dictionary that we've been creating so that words are not an obstacle but a vehicle or a vessel as you said and so on so in this in in this website you will also hear about the book the new book coming out uh, omen
0: wonderful you now have the link on your podcast profile too thank you so much again ruth and we'll talk
1: soon Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ruth Barshalev and her work, please visit whatreallyis.com. To learn more
0: about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.